Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. The title of my message is simply this, A Daddy-Daughter Dilemma. A Daddy-Daughter Dilemma. Everyone say Dilemma. This is what makes this message applicable to all of us because we all have dilemmas from time to time. Amen. We all face issues. We all face problems from time to time. And so I want to pray this morning and delve into this word. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to gather together this morning. I pray the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, the work of my hands would be holy and acceptable in your sight, O God, that Holy Spirit, you'd present yourself in this place and give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in order that we might know you and know you better in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Thank you, Kathy. Let's put our hands together for Kathy. You know, God goes by many names, and one of those names that He goes by is Jehovah, Jehovah Shammah. Everyone say Shammah. And Shammah simply means God who is there. Everyone say there. Turn to the person next to you and say there, there. Jehovah Shammah, God who is there. The Bible says that He is our Father. The disciples asked Jesus how they ought to pray and Jesus said you should pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Well, He is our Father in heaven. He is Jehovah Shammah. And if you put those two thoughts together, He is the God who is always there. He's the God who is present. He's the God who oversees your every moment, your every circumstance and your every Every situation that you will ever face. And I don't know about you, but that's incredibly encouraging to me that my heavenly Father is there, that my heavenly Father is present, which is a far cry from the society in which we live today, sadly enough. Sadly, many homes suffer from ADD, absent dad disorder. It describes homes where the father is no longer there. It could be because of a tragic accident and the dad of that home lost his life. We've seen that and experienced that. And it's painful to say the least. It may be through divorce or separation. And many, many people today have experienced the absent dad in the home because of separation And divorce. But also, we have a category whereby dad is around, he's present, but he's just not there. He's not engaging with his children. He's too busy. Kids come up to dad and say, Hey, dad, let's play. And he's on his phone. He says, No, I can't, kids. I'm too busy. We live in a society today where there is an absence of dads. And I'm not here to add to the pain of any single mum that is in this place tonight. If you are a single mum, for whatever reason, I want to say this this morning, we salute you. I know how difficult being a dad can be with an incredible helper in Kath. 
take that help out and it makes what I do even more difficult. And so for every single mum in this place, we are not here to add to your pain. We are here to simply honour you, salute you and say that we love you and that we appreciate you. And we say, come on, don't give up, keep going one more time, as Phil said earlier on. Can we put our hands together for all of our single mums in this place this morning? See, being or fathering a child doesn't necessarily mean you're being a father. It could be that you're just proves that you're a man or a male. To be a father, it carries great responsibilities. Many fathers are so absorbed today by their careers. And the result is simply this, that they don't spend the time that is required with their kids. And this effect has a devastating consequence on our society today. Recent reports tell us that because of a lack of father figures in the home, in the past 30 years, there have been a 550% increase in violent crimes, 400% increase in illegitimate births, 200% increase in teen pregnancies, 300% increase in teen suicide, and more... uh, more than 70%, sorry, more than 70% of all juveniles in state reform institutions come from fatherless homes. See, the home doesn't need a man in the house so much as it needs a father in the home. I'm thank, so thankful that uh, when my kids were very young, in actual fact, BJ, our youngest, wasn't even born, but when Jordan, who's now 19, was about four and Mitchie was about two, we had uh, one of our friends come over from the States. He ministered in our church and uh, he stayed in our home. And I'm so grateful for that. And he said to me, Tony, your kids are incredible. Your kids are incredibly um, uh, attractive kids and, and they're going to have lots of friends in their world. But they will only have one father. Tony, listen to me. They don't need another friend in you. They need you to be their father. Tony, will you be their father? And it was an incredibly challenging moment in my life. Something that arrested me, but set me on a course to do exactly that. Not just be a friend to my kids, but to be a father to my kids. Our kids have had and will continue to have lots of friends. Your kids, for the most part, will have lots of friends. But they need fathers to be present in their life. And I want to look at one particular father and what he did for his daughter. And we can read from it in Matthew, or sorry, Mark chapter 5. And there's something I believe for each and every one of us to learn from this morning. So, reading from Mark chapter 5, verse 21. It says, Jesus got into the boat again and went back to the other side of the lake where a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Then a leader of the local synagogue, whose name was Jairus, arrived. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, pleading fervently with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and lay hands on her, heal her so she can live. I mean, this is incredibly devastating for any dad. And here he is, he pleads and begs with Jesus for Jesus to do something that he can't do for himself. And at that moment, 
Jesus is interrupted by a woman with an issue. And we're going to look more at that tonight in our service with our baptisms. But I'm going to bypass that little moment and pick it up again in verse 35. And it says, While he was still speaking to her, messengers arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue, and they told him, Your daughter is dead. There's no trouble or use troubling the teacher now. But Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, Don't be afraid, just have faith. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw much commotion, weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child isn't dead, she's only asleep. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them leave and he took the girl's father and the mother and his three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. Holding her hand, he said to her, little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone what had happened. And when he told them to give her something to eat. I mentioned before that I want to share some thoughts about this story that will hopefully encourage and inspire and bless every dad, but not only that, but every person in this place. Because these moments didn't just happen for these moments. These moments are in the Scriptures in order for us to draw from and learn from 2,000 years later. The Word of God is not dead, it's not irrelevant, and it's not boring. It is as practical and as applicable today as it ever was back then. And there are some things that we learn from this scenario that I want to teach us and learn from today. And the first one is simply this, that we need to be humble and ask for help. Be humble and ask for help. He said that Jairus came to Jesus and he asked him for help. He was at his wit's end. He couldn't do any more. And he humbled himself and he asked for help. When you're at your wit's end and you can't do any more, you can respond in many ways. One way is to get mad. Another way is to start blaming. Another way is just start blurting. But this man humbled himself and he asked Jesus if he could possibly help him. And I say that because today being a dad in this society is not easy. Being a dad today is quite tough. Being a mum today is quite tough. Would you agree? It's not easy. And we don't have all the answers. There's not a person in this room who has all the answers. And I've found over the years, the best way to get those answers is to humble yourself and ask for help. And the two areas that I ask for help is number one, God himself. In his word are profound truths about being a dad, being a mum, being a family, being a community. It's in the word of God. And we need to go to the Word of God again and again and again and again and get His wisdom and get His perspective when it comes to being a family man. And the second area that has really helped me is by what I call fellowshipping up. Going to older, wiser people, people who have runs on the board when it comes to parenting, when it comes to being a family man or a family woman, to go to them for help. For us to miss out on the wisdom that's available is to make us poorer. If there's anything about my life that I can say that uh, I am doing well, it's because of the collective wisdom I've grabbed from God and from others. 
And I've been able to implement it in my life, and I'm so grateful for that. Great people have helped us when it comes to our parenting. We've had the privilege over the years of having many friends from around the world come and preach in our church. And of all the people that have preached in our church, many of them have had the, uh, we've had the privilege of having them stay in our home. Not all of them, but many of them. And this is what I've learned. I can bribe my kids over a meal for them to behave themselves. You can do that. If you give them enough lollies and enough soft drink, you can get them to behave and you can make yourself look like a relatively good parent for a meal. All the parents said, that's true. But when you invite someone into your home for a few days, three, five, seven days, and we've had different people staying at different lengths of time, they get to see our kids first thing in the morning and they get to see our kids last thing at night. And there is no place to hide. And I, and I, I am so grateful for those moments where we've had no place to hide as parents. And at the end of that person's stay or that couple's stay, we always ask them this question. Hey, what have you seen about our marriage and what have you seen about our parenting that could help us become better in our marriage and better in our parenting? And I'm so grateful for those moments when we've been able to humble ourselves and ask for help because without that wisdom we've drawn from, I don't believe we would be doing nor experiencing what it is that we've been doing and experiencing as a result. When it comes to being a dad... Men, humble yourself and ask for help. For everyone else in this room, when it comes to relationships in general, you need help, humble yourself and ask for help. Secondly, you need to be strong and hold on to your confidence. Be strong and hold on to your confidence. Jesus said to Jairus, do not be afraid. He was addressing the naysayers that came into the situation and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter's dead. Talk about insensitive. I mean, this man was already grieving, knowing that his daughter was dying. To actually receive the news and to receive it that way is so insensitive. Just stop bothering Jesus now. We want a piece of Jesus. Just leave my, your daughter's dead. Can you see the insensitivity here? And this is what I love about Jesus. He's an incredible reader of moments. And he sees the pain and he sees the hurt. And he sees the disillusionment in Jairus' life. And he says, Jairus, don't be afraid. Have faith. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't be overwhelmed. This I know, being a dad can be overwhelming. It's enough managing your own life. You bring kids into the mix, now you've got to manage your own life and you've got to somehow manage and help another life. It's daunting. It's overwhelming. I remember when we first walked out of the hospital with our very first child and the hospital said, bye, and we've got this little life in our hands. And I've got to be honest with you, at that moment, we didn't know what to do with that little life. And as I was contemplating, what do you do with this little life? And we're walking out. And in a daze, I remember hitting Jordan's head on the doorway, which explains a lot about Jordan. 
And I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm already overwhelmed. Now I'm banging the head. I think, oh my gosh, we're not going to get through a week of parenting. It's so overwhelming. How many know what I'm on about? I've talked a lot about when Mitch was born. At the 18-week ultrasound, they picked up a problem with our unborn son. And they said there's some deformities and the umbilical cords are not right. And we strongly suggest, they said, strongly suggest you terminate. And I'm going to be honest with you, that moment is overwhelming. Because they're putting me in the place of God. I get to choose whether this child lives or dies. And they're putting that on me. That is not easy. And I remember being in that moment and saying, we're going to go away and think about it. And as we came back, having thought about it and prayed about it, we came back and said, we realize that you're trying to do the best to your ability, uh, but we're gonna, we'll take what we get. And I, I thought it was overwhelming enough just to have to make that decision. But what was even more overwhelming was their response. They said, you're being irresponsible. And now, now, now I've got this decision I've had to make. We said, we will put this child's hands in the hands of God. And now they're telling us we're being irresponsible. It can be overwhelming, church. When it comes to parenting, when it comes to relationships in general, it's little wonder Jesus looked at Jairus and said, hey, do not be afraid. And I remember that moment, God strengthened me saying, Tony, do not be afraid. Have faith. And I'm so glad that at that moment I was able to hold my line and find courage and find strength because we celebrate Mitch's life, he's 17 years of age And I'm so grateful that I was able to hold my line. And I remember leaving that place being overwhelmed and aching about the single mums. How many single mums, pregnant teens, get talked out of things because they just don't have the strength to stand against the medical profession who think they're doing their best. They think they're doing the best and the right thing by this child. We live in a broken, hurting world, church. But the good news is there are answers. So dads, be strong and hold on to your confidence. Number three, be wise and remove the negative voices. Be wise and remove the negative voices. When Jesus came to Jairus' house where this daughter was lying lifeless, there was a commotion going on. There were people weeping and wailing. And Jesus says, what's all the commotion? And they said, uh, she's died. And he says, they said, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And they went from mockery, uh, sorry, they went from um, mourning to mockery. They started laughing and joking with Jesus, which kind of tells you something of the quality of those mourners. In actual fact, historians tell us that uh, back in the day, they would hire mourners. They would be professional mourners. And so when they were there to mourn, because that was their job, when Jesus came and actually said, she's not dead, she's just asleep, they changed and they started mocking. And what Jesus did is really important to note. He took the mother, he took the father, and he took three of his disciples, and those 
Five people along with Jesus were the only ones in that room. Sometimes you've got to silence the negative voices. If you're going to be the parent that God wants you to be, if you're going to be the dad that God wants you to be, you've got to silence the negative voices. And can I say, silencing the negative voices isn't getting on Facebook and getting into long arguments and discourses with those that disagree with you. It's just removing yourself from the environment, removing yourself from people and just get on living life. I mentioned about our son that there was a discrepancy that they picked up at the 18-week mark and when he was born, they were right. What they picked up was true and his left hand doesn't have any fingers on it and I, I never forget... You know, just loving on this little kid. It was so great to have a little life. He was a healthy little kid. And I'm so grateful. But I did know there was a day coming into my future where I would have to try to explain to him as to why this had happened to him. I didn't know whether it was going to be when he was at kindergarten, school, university, job. I was hoping it was when he was much older. But I'll never forget him coming home from kindergarten one day. He was four years of age. He was a little bit downcast, a little bit you know, downtrodden. And he says, Dad, why, why, why was I born like this? These things break a parent's heart. Why do I have to wear glasses when no one else does? Why do I have a limp when no one else does? These things break a parent's heart. And that's why I love what's in the Bible. There's encouragement for us to keep on keeping on. And you've got to remove those negative voices. And I remember looking at Mitch thinking, my goodness me, this is that day. I knew it was coming. I didn't know it was today. And the first thing that came out of my mouth, I said to Mitch, I don't know. And can I just say to every parent out there, Parenting 101, be honest with your kids. Don't lie to them in order to make yourself look better. Don't make something up. It only creates greater problems. And I remember just... Humbling myself at that moment, point number one, saying, what do I say now, God? And then God gave me this God drop. And I said, Mitch, I don't know why you were born without fingers on your left hand. But I also don't know why you were born with blonde hair. And then I got on a roll. I felt, I felt my strength coming back. And I said, Mitch, I also don't know why you were born with piercing blue eyes. And Mitch, I don't know why you were born so handsome. Mitch, I don't know if you know this or not. There's a lot of ugly kids out there and you're not one of them. Sometimes you just got to silence the negative voices. Sometimes you just got to remove yourself from negative environments. Otherwise you won't last. And what I love about that story, from that day to this, Mitch is now 17 years of age. He's never asked me that question ever again. He just knows that he's incredibly handsome and there's a lot of ugly people in this world of which he's not one of them. So be wise and remove the negative voices. One of my greatest childhood memories growing up was my dad and the four-letter word that we were never allowed to say. And it's not the one you're thinking of. It's this one, can't. My dad would not let us say can't. If I said, I can't do it, he said, what? What do you mean you can't? No, such thing as can't. And he just silenced all those voices in my head 
about what I could do or couldn't do. And it's amazing. More often than not, what I said I couldn't do, I ended up doing. And I did it because of the fear of the Father. (laughs) And the incredible wisdom that came with it. Amen. Number four, be grateful and continually amazed. Be grateful and continually amazed. When Jesus had got into that room and all the negativity was out, the Bible says that he grabbed this young girl, this 12-year-old girl, by the hand. And he helped her to his feet, her feet. And she was raised up in fullness of life and in fullness of health. Can you just place yourself in the story just for a moment and think about as a dad, as a mum, as a brother or a sister, someone that you love dearly, that was dead, is now alive again, that, that you got an opportunity to be with that person again? Because that's what's happening here. And Jairus was overwhelmed and totally amazed to see his daughter again. This I know, no matter what problem you face with someone that you love or are close to right now, the one thing that brings perspective is the thought that if you never saw that person again. And I think the thing we can learn from this story is let's not wait till we lose someone. Let's not wait till they're not around before we start appreciating them and being totally overwhelmed and amazed and grateful. You know, I've mentioned a few times already that being a dad is not easy. But gee, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. And to all the dads this morning, I say this, don't ever lose the wonder. Don't ever lose the wonder of being a parent. Don't ever lose the joy and don't ever lose the privilege of what it is to groom and to grow a young person's life. Let's never, ever, ever lose the wonder. Just yesterday morning, BJ, as she often does on a Friday night, ends up having a sleepover with one of her friends and they end up sleeping not in the bedroom but in the lounge And Saturday morning in the Rainbow household, for the most part, ends up being an all-in rainbow brawl. And uh, that happened yesterday morning. It happened the morning, uh, Saturday morning, the week before, and the week before that. It's something that we love to do as a family, just beat up on people, basically. (laughs) But the person who seemingly always wins is my wife, who is affectionately known as the Wicked Wedgie Woman. She will grab any of our kids' underwear or any of our kids' friends' underwear and just think nothing of just pulling it up from behind and whacking it over their head. And we just find that a whole, whole lot of fun. <laughs> Don't ever lose the joy, the privilege, and the wonder. I thank God even as our kids have got older and they've started dating, the privilege of being able to be there, 
speaking not just to my daughter, but to my daughter and boyfriend, or not just to my son, but son and girlfriend, to be in those moments. What an incredible privilege and an honor it is. Parenting is fun. Don't ever lose the wonder nor the privilege. As the band come up, number five, be consistent and help in practical ways. Be consistent and help in practical ways. This little portion of Scripture, just I have to ask myself, why is that in there? And yet the Bible tells us that every word is there on purpose for a purpose. And here's this young girl being raised up from death, and Jesus says, give her some food. It's just like, what? He says, give her some food. And I don't know about you, but I have to ask myself, why would Jesus say, give her some food? And I, I think there's many reasons. But one is it shows to us just how practical Jesus is. I think sometimes when we've been a Christian for a while, we get enamored with the spiritual side of Christianity. But let us never forget that we are triune beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. And Jesus is intimately and wonderfully in love with every part of our life. And he wants us to look after every part of our life. Because whatever you neglect, you lose. If you neglect your finances, you'll lose your finances. If you neglect your health, you'll lose your health. If you neglect your marriage, you'll lose your marriage. If you neglect your children, you'll lose your children. If you neglect your mind, you'll lose your mind. And so I think Jesus is trying to show us that we're not just spiritual beings. We are body, soul, and spirit. And every area of our life needs to be tended to. Isn't that an amazing thought? I think Jesus is saying, hey, I know you're excited, but this little girl's hungry. Get her some food. Sometimes we've got to put aside our emotion and bring what is needed As parents, it's about putting aside what we are feeling for the sake of what is needed. As Christians, it's about time we put aside our feelings and our emotion and bring what is needed. I know even now, there are laws being talked about and changes in the air. And how we respond as a church is really, really important. And it's not enough just to be spiritual. It's not enough just to come with the Word of God and tell people what the Word of God says. We have to demonstrate it in loving, practical, caring ways. While while being people of truth and standards, we need to model it in ways of love and acceptance. And that is exactly what Jesus is doing here. He said, hey, let's let's not get so excited that she's alive. Let's give her something to eat because she's hungry. And we live in a broken, hurting world. And that places us in a very privileged position. I love being a dad to three of our kids, but I love being a dad of this house. It's an incredible privilege. And at my heart, every time I share is to help us put the Word of God into practice. I want to inspire your church through this message today, as with every message, to put the Word of God into practice. Being, parenting, being a parent today is not easy, but it sure is worth it. The greatest example of all these five qualities that we've looked at today are seen in God Himself. And if you don't have a dad, or you have an absent dad, 
Remember, God is our Heavenly Father who is there for you. And so because of that, we need to humble ourselves and ask for help. It's He who will help us to keep us stay strong. He'll give us wisdom. He'll continually amaze us. And He will help us, body, soul, and spirit. Will you stand? Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 